0: Hello, and you are listening to Eco Justice Radio, a project of SoCal 350 Climate Action. Our show presents environmental and climate stories from a social justice frame, featuring voices not necessarily heard on traditional, mainstream, or even public media outlets. I am your host, Jessica Aldridge, from Adventures in Waste. On today's show, Broken Trust... LA Public Utility Methane Leak poisons Sun Valley community, we are honored to speak with Veronica Padilla-Campos, Executive Director of Pacoima Beautiful. Veronica Padilla-Campos attended UCLA where she received her urban planning degree knowing that she would return to her community of the Northeast San Fernando Valley to help allocate the right resources they deserve. in the city of Los Angeles, a public utility made it known that it had knowingly been leaking methane gas into the community for three years. These types of stories are not out of the ordinary and continue to happen throughout the city of Los Angeles, the state of California, and the entire United States. It seems these public utilities meant to serve the community, paid for by the community, are poisoning the community and failing to notify and protect the community for which they serve. The San Fernando Valley communities, living and working near the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, LADWP, Valley Generating Station, were first told about the methane leak in September 2020. However... Staff at JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, who were conducting a non related project, noticed and reported the leak to the public utility, DWP, back in 2017. Years later, JPL noticed again that the leak had worsened and reported it to the public utility in August 2019. It took at least three years before DWP came forward and recognized their mistake. Three years to take action and fix a problem. The communities of Sun Valley and Pacoima are predominantly people of color. The environmental contamination and health impacts are compounded by landfills, trains, airplanes, industry pollution, and freeways. The residents live in an area that ranks in the 98 percentile of Cal CalEnviroScreen's most polluted communities in Los Angeles, meaning they breathe some of California's worst air and suffer from asthma-related hospitalizations at rates far higher than most of the state. The Los Angeles Department of Water and Power has pledged to fix the issue related to the methane leak three years after they found out about it, but only after their secret leak was revealed and the resulting public outrage. Our guest today, Veronica Padilla-Campos, is the executive director of Pacoima Beautiful, an organization that has been serving the communities of the Northeast San Fernando Valley for decades, demanding environmental justice and accountability in a densely packed blue-collar LA community of color. Thank you for tuning into Broken Trust, LA Public Utility Methane Leak Poisons Sun Valley Community. It is my honor to welcome our special guest joining us via Zoom, Veronica Badia-Campos, Executive Director of Pacoima Beautiful. Welcome to Ecojustice Radio. Hi, Jessica. Good to be here with you. Thank you for being here. Veronica, you are the Executive Director of Pacoima Beautiful. What is the purpose of Pacoima Beautiful and how long have they been organizing?
1: Well, Pacuna Beautiful is a grassroots environmental justice organization. We're a member-based organization, which basically means that we work with our community, both youth and adult members, to really provide them with opportunities and tools to empower themselves to help advocate for a healthier, cleaner, more sustainable community and really advocate for their rights. And we've been around since about 1996 and it began with five moms in the neighborhood that were just really fed up with the bulky items on the street, lack of trees and just lack of resources. So they organized to basically um, have a a seat at the table with the city and community and help understand the needs that they had and have um, the city really respond to those needs and give them the services that they were demanding.
0: On today's show, we are focusing on a gas leak that is currently ongoing at the Department of Water and Power Facility in Los Angeles, specifically in the Northeast San Fernando Valley around the neighborhoods known as Poquema and Sun Valley. You, you grew up in this area. Uh, many of our listeners are from all over the world, not just Los Angeles, and, and some from Los Angeles might not even really know this area and these neighborhoods. Paint us a picture of the Northeast San Fernando Valley and the communities who live there.
1: Sure. Well, I grew up in Sun Valley, which is where the the power plant is located. In fact, my mom still lives a couple of blocks from from this facility. And growing up in this particular area um, where we we lived, it's a very industrial area. And my parents purchased a home there because it was near my mom's job. So she lived, she worked in one of these industrial facilities. And it had a lot of different issues. There's a lot of flooding in these areas. There There isn't any sidewalks. It wasn't very nice to walk to and from school. It was actually pretty scary. You had to dodge um, large diesel trucks that were coming from the different industries around the area. Um, so, you know, there were freeway entrances. We were actually surrounded by the five freeway so there was a lot of noise, a lot of a lot of dust, not enough trees, so we had very bad air quality as well. And everybody seemed to have a fence, you know, in their front yard. So it almost seemed like you were everybody was protecting themselves. It was an unsafe neighborhood. So it it wasn't very. Um, a very nice place to to grow up in, in that sense. You could definitely tell that, um, you could definitely tell the difference um, between, you know, the Sun Valley and places like Northridge, you know, something not that far away, or Burbank, which is pretty close to Sun Valley as well. And so, like I mentioned, it wasn't very, very nice to walk to and from school. As well, and it wasn't safe either and that's very similar to to Pacoima as well kind of uh, similar issues and and we understand that the northeast valley with all these industry isn't unique because there's other places in the in the city like that but what is unique about about the northeast San Fernando valley is the concentration of the multiple diff, uh, multiple industries within a particular area that surround the housing what kind of industries? I know there's animal incinerators, there's marble cutting that happens. There's a lot of recycling uh, of auto parts or just metal, you know, just any kind of, any yucky kind of industry you can think of, you can probably find it in Sun Valley. And so yeah, there's And some of these have little regulations, like we found the granite industry has very little regulations in terms of how they they cut the the marble. And as we understand it, when you cut, if you don't cut with water and the right tools, the particles go not only into the air, but also can go into, you know, like the the storm drains or whatnot. So
0: the contamination continues for miles away, not just within the Northeast and it sounds like with all of this comes these environmental and health impacts and i know we've we alluded to it a moment ago what are these environmental health impacts that they that uh, people in these communities have been experiencing you know um, how long has this been prevalent there and, and how does the history of this area really play into that i know that when you and i previously spoke before this phone call you told me that this area was one of few areas in Los Angeles where Latinos and, and people of color were able to actually purchase property.
1: Right. So Pacoima is really known um, to have a lot of single-family homes um, because it was the place where people of color were able to purchase these homes. And it was a good place to do so because it was close to many of the jobs like GM is nearby, the Price Fister plant, um, Boeing, you know, these kinds of well-paying jobs that existed back then. Once many of these jobs went away, the community did start changing, families started moving out, and it became more of a, a predominantly Latino community. And then in Sun Valley, uh, it's known for its quarries, right? So they extracted a lot of these rocks. So there was a lot of holes everywhere around Sun Valley. And I guess they looked at these holes and said, well, what are we going to do with it now? And I guess they thought, well, let's put trash in there. <laughs> so that's why you see a lot of uh, the landfills exist in Sun Valley because they were basically being filled in with um with trash after they were mined. So you, you do see a lot of homes that were developed around uh, the the landfills, but it was because it wasn't always that. Um, it was actually known as a very rich um, agricultural area as well. We have great soil in the Northeast San Fernando Valley. It's great for infiltrating and that sort of stuff. So it, it, if you can imagine this lush
0: vegetated valley, many years ago. And now it's a mining community or now it's um, yeah. filled with the landfills, right? I, yeah, and, and freeways and that sort of stuff. And airports. I mean, you're right over. Mm-hmm. Th- you have the Whitman Airport and then you have the Burbank Airport that flies very low in that area. And so you even have the noise pollution that comes from that. And and I know what the, uh, just want to mention too, with the landfills. I mean, the the second largest source of Human-made methane emissions or human-made methane gas comes from the decomposing of organics in a landfill. The second largest in the state of California and the country is the third largest. So you have this other—they um, they filled in the hole, but they—they—they they, they filled it in, and now you know there's the, the potential. If it's not an inert landfill, there's the potential of methane gas also releasing right. into the community. The the Department of Water and Power Facility in Los Angeles, California, in the neighborhood of Sun Valley, is also called the Valley Generating Power Station. Recently it came to the attention of Pacoima Beautiful and the community that there has been this ongoing and what sounds like pretty significant methane gas leak coming from that facility. Before we talk about the gas leak so people can understand the purpose of the facility, like why is it there in the first place? why does the Valley Generating Power Station exist and, and what does the, the station provide to the community?
1: Well, the, this generating station is, is, is part of a larger network of pwp's energy generating stations, right? Um, I believe the Valley is one of four. Three of them are over like southern part of of Los Angeles. And basically its job is to provide supplemental energy to to the city so they bring in energy and convert it to the the right amount or the watt the wattage necessary that will then go out and you know people use when they turn on the lights at home so my understanding is that it is an important piece of infrastructure for the functionality of energy for the entire city. So not only does Sun Valley, you know, literally is the dumping ground of the city where, where the where the trash comes in, but we also bear the brunt of having to endure this
0: this this energy facility within our community for the rest of the city an energy facility too that's not practicing uh, greener or more uh, clean energy uh, practices, which we will we'll talk about later in this conversation about how does a facility like this switch over to cleaner energy practices. But with this facility right now, where is the gas leak coming from and how did Pocoma Beautiful find out about it? Well, we had been
1: this talking to DWP for a while in this conversation of of converting, or not converting, but, you know, moving the, the value generating station into a more green energy producing station, right? So kind of transitioning out of diesel and gas and making it more green energy. So we had been at the table discussing how that transition would happen, and so we 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 are part of a coalition called the LA Clean Energy Coalition. And as part of that coalition, we attended the DWP commission meeting. And and back in September, while we were in that meeting for just, you know, to participate normally and listen into the updates, um, the DWP manager, Marty Adams, announced to the commissioners about the leak. And as you can imagine our, our, our job dropped to hear that this had been happening and and the dwp commissioners did push back and they, i believe they were just as surprised. it came it was news to them as well but what what is most frustrating with for us is that in December of 2019, we had hosted a community meeting with DWP at a local high school where we we were talking about our desire to see the transition of the plant. And at that point, we understand they knew about this leak, but didn't mention anything. So we felt this complete distress from the department and that we felt we had a seat at the table. We were communicating with them, and we were getting honest response in in, in its transition. But as you can imagine, hearing that was a real, um, a, a real break in the trust between community and and DWP.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty depressing. And did they say where the leak was coming from specifically?
1: Oh, well, we were. Um Poquin Beautiful was invited for a tour of the facility last week and they did walk us over to the 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 two piece of equipment that have these pistons that basically do the conversion of, of energy. And to be I'm gonna be quite honest with you, it was very technical for me. And a lot of a lot of jargon. But as I understand it, these pistons that go back and forth in this piece of equipment and those pistons were the ones that with wear and tear are had been releasing this methane and they took us near the equipment and they, they showed us where they now installed a monitor that was mo- that is monitoring the methane and they, they they said it was okay to get close so we did get close and they were like, see it's okay and we said, well we can smell something, they said oh, it's nothing it, it smells like your home when you turn on your your stove and we're like no this is not how our house smells there is something here so you can imagine we 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 didn't stay near near these these two pieces of equipment for very long but you know something definitely did not feel right and you can see you can also see something kind of coming out of, of the equipment and that's directly where the methane was spewing out and where it was, you know, detected.
0: If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Ecojustice Radio. Veronica Padilla-Campos, Executive Director of Pacoima Beautiful, is joining us for Broken Trust, LA Public Utility Methane Leak, Poison Sun Valley Community. Veronica, what role did JPL, the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory, play in uncovering this leak?
1: JPL really is the reason why I think the community really knows about this now because they were flying over, measuring the air quality on another project. And during their flyover back in 2017 is when they first detected that, that leak and they let DWP know. And they came back to DWP two other times once in august of well the 2017 one then in august of 2019 which means that in december when of 2019 when dwp presented to our community they were already aware but they didn't actually tell their commissioners until september of 2020 when jpl said hey it's your your league has gotten a lot a lot more." We're, picking up a lot more and they were forced to actually make this report and let the community know in turn so had JPL not been doing this uh, this study i don't know when we would have found out or if we would have found out to be honest
0: do they know how much methane was leaking at the time and for how long or and is i think you had said it's it's still leaking but almost not leaking <laughs> Yeah, so I I don't know if it was leaking before
1: 2017, but at least that's when we know it was first detected, right? And they claim that at this point, they have repaired the pistons that are creating the leak to a good amount of uh, – they fixed it enough where it's only leaking – or they fixed it 95 to 98%. So it's not leaking as much as it was before. And they've said that they've ordered the replacement part to that, so replacement of those pistons that will fix it 100%. What we're asking is that they need to shut down the plant or shut down you know, that functionality until it can be 100% repaired.
0: And we need to come back and discuss this transition to clean energy for the plant. Are there any checks and balances to protect, protect against this type of leak, this type of disaster? Do they, is there any standards? Well, that's, that's the scary part that, that
1: DWB kind of is cleaning their hands off, saying, well, there isn't any standards or any regulations that... Um, basically monitor these pistons or this piece of equipment that guide them as to how often it should be repaired or how much how many times it should be looked at, how how much methane or, or monitor the amount of methane that is escaping. So that was really troubling for us, that there's no real regulator for this. And they kind of get to 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 say, hey, we didn't break any laws. There's nothing really regulating this. To me, that's very troubling, and it seems like a great opportunity for us to start paying attention and make this change
0: and create these standards. It's crazy that if you're using gas and you're this public utility, that you do not need to monitor the amount of gas coming in and out or potentially leaking from your facility. It's.
1: I agree. It is, yeah, it, it just seems like there's definitely a misstep there.
0: And, and
1: as um, you said, I saw, go ahead. Sorry, I just saw this really great quote quote from someone saying that if I owned a tiger or lion or something and they escaped and hurt people, I, I would be responsible for those damages, right? Because it's my tiger. So it seems like them. It, it, this is their facility. They should be responsible for anything that escapes their their facility
0: and, and, and creates damage as it as this methane has. And if that tiger gets loose, you should be telling the community, oh, just be on the oh, lookout, right. there's a loose tiger. Right? right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not after the tiger's killed like five people or something or mauled five right. people, but like, oh, by the way, there's a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so the community wasn't notified until, it, it sounds like JPL is like, you know, cracks the whip three times and says, look, it's getting worse. And then the community's notified is Is there some expected level of leakage at a facility like this that that we're just expected to live with?
1: Well, it, you know they they make it sound like this is normal, right? And, and and that made me think of like what is normal in our community? You know all this contamination is is normal in our community, having Bad air is normal. Extreme heat and wildfires are normal. Having asthma is normal. But does that make it right? You know, that's what I question. That's what I think we need to change. Just because it's normalized by the agency doesn't make it right. And and normal. So for, I don't think.
0: What were you saying? Right. And normal for who? Right is that what you <laughs> Yeah, normal for who, right? Like is is it normal just for the communities of some valley or is this also normal for richer more predominantly white communities like Beverly Hills and and Malibu, you know? What right. Who's this nor- who's normalizing, you know, this, right? what is the effect of methane exposure on the health and well-being of those living, working, and recreating in these areas where there is a leak? And how close are people from this particular plant? Well, there's at least a high school, two high
1: schools actually, and an elementary school that is about a block and a half away. So a mile is what I think is a one point one mile away from the plant these schools are. So that to me is very troubling. And I know Fernandes Elementary often has to keep their students inside for recess because if they go outside they start getting a lot of kids with bloody noses. And methane is extremely dangerous and but it seems that every time we hear a presentation from DWP they kind of downplay it. But it can reduce the amount of oxygen that we breathe. It can also cause mood changes and slurred slurred speech, some vision problems. My mom has complained about memory loss and some nausea. I've heard um, some folks talking about vomiting and headaches. So I mean this could be really severe. And considering it's been happening for, since 2017, you know, I would I would say that this is these are high levels of methane that we're all being exposed, exposed to.
0: And you have businesses that are a street away, two streets away. And I'll, I'll mm-hmm. even share my personal story a little bit later. I, I work in that area two streets away. And and so you have people who who are at businesses, businesses that should be concerned about this as well. Why should businesses be concerned in regards to health issues compounded by methane leaks? I
1: mean, if you're having employees that are feeling this way, they're not going to be as productive. They're going to call in sick a lot or they're going to be working while sick. And I really think that business owners around the area should be really concerned about that. You know they're they're not getting the best out of their employees because there's something else impacting that. And if I was a business owner, I would be I wouldn't like that.
0: Of course not. The your the workflow of your company is being directly affected. The health of your 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 staff is being directly affected by another. business in essence, it's a utility that's supposed to service the community. What is the role of the Department of Water and Power then? I mean, they're providing a service that is paid by and meant to service the taxpayers. Who holds them accountable? Do they have to pay fines when something like this happens?
1: There has been no discussion on fines. I think there definitely should be, but there hasn't been any discussions about it. I do understand that there's, there are community groups out there that have, you know, filed a lawsuit, but I really think that they should be held accountable to the community and should be, should be able to account for for folks that have endured any kind of illness, maybe providing air quality monitors in people's homes or air filtration systems in their homes, proper AC when they can't open the windows because of this leakage. I think there should really be a conversation about what they need to do to make the community whole.
0: And what has been the reaction of the Los Angeles City Council?
1: Well, We've been very lucky. I mean, Council President Mary Martinez is, does live in Sun Valley. In fact, she doesn't live very far from, from this particular site. So I, I know it's very personal to her as well. And because she grew up in Coima and knows the struggles that this community, this entire area, has been going through for so many years and enduring for so many years. So she's been super supportive and has made it very clear that she does not want to hear any more talk, right? This is time for action. And and like the community, we're also demanding to close the plant and have a clear date as to when we can have it fixed. And fortunately, the commissioners, the DWP commissioners, are also a big environmentalist who understands these these issues and have been supportive and have also been hard on, on their on their staff so it, it's good to to know we have that support and and but you know we we also want to see some action
0: and i read the other day that there's a, a call it was a motion for a community amenities trust fund to benefit people living near the plant with goals to include helping residents and schools by indoor air purifiers and air conditioners. Yes, and, and I think that's a really good
1: a good first step, right? Um, but I think there's so much more, more tangible um, things that that the department can do in, in terms of really showing their investment and and commitment to to the community. You know, I, I have my ideas, but I think it's really up to DWP to meet with the residents and find out what they need and what would what what they they what they need to see from them, and and really demonstrating that they care and they want to be responsible for for this because they they have taken responsibility, they have recognized that it was it, it, it was a big um, mistake but you know they have to go beyond just admitting the mistake right there has to be some some action towards mitigating that mistake
0: yeah they recognize the mistake uh, at least city council president Nuri martinez you're talking about her and when she spoke on the issue she she pointed out that the city-ran utility hasn't sufficiently prioritized environmental justice in its efforts to fight climate change. While DWP was making plans to shut down gas fire generators in coastal communities, which are predominantly wealthier and white majority, they're allowing a methane leak in the valley for years. And L.A. City Council President Nuria Martinez was quoted saying, I think the department's success has taken communities like Sun Valley for granted. Do you you find this to be true? Do you feel this to be true that the utilities and other city programs are taking communities like Sun Valley for granted?
1: I do, um, like I mentioned, the Northeast San Fernando Valley has been bearing the health burden of having this active gas plant in our community in exchange for the reliable energy for the rest of the city. Uh, our communities just have continued to carry the burden and and it's been clear to me that Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have no idea what's going on around the area. They they don't know kind of the 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 com- compounding issues of so much other industry and pollution that's occurring and. I think if they did know that, if they did understand that and cared about that, they would be better neighbors and would respect the community a lot more. But they have no clue, and I think that's a real problem. If this is an agency that is here to 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 provide a service for its constituents, then they should get to know they should get to know its constituents and respect
0: their health and their livelihood and ensure that they're being good neighbors. Veronica, seeing that the gas is provided by SoCal Gas, are they responsible in any manner? And could they actually cut off access to the gas from LEDWP if LEDWP is not upholding environmental and social standards? Or am I just really being too pie in the sky for that to be an actual solution?
1: No, I think you're right. But you know, it's really interesting that you brought that up because the gas company has been very quiet about this entire issue. I don't think they've even been at any meetings or anything like that. And DWP has not mentioned them at all, which I think is very interesting. But you you will see their their vehicles in and out of the of the gas plant, so they're definitely a part of the um, you know the the process there. Uh, But we have not heard very
0: many, any comments from SoCal Gas at all related to this, to this issue. So SoCal Gas is the, the seller of the tiger and the tiger was let (laughs) loose by DWP and the seller of the tiger is quiet. Okay. (laughs) I have a personal story uh, that's related to this exact area and potentially this facility I used to have an office that was less than two streets away from the DWP Sun Valley facility. And I would get up in the morning, I would go to work, I would feel fine. By midday, many times, I felt body aches. I felt like I was getting the flu, like I was had this creeping flu-like symptom coming up my back. I felt horrible. I had these sinus tension headache things that would happen. I felt like my sinuses were flared up. I did not feel good. My energy and my ability to concentrate was completely compromised. I felt awful. I would go home. I would start to feel better. I'd come back the next day and it would start all over again. During this time, I also experienced some autoimmune issues that I had to um, go to a doctor and, and figure out what was going on. Luckily, I was able to move away and i have not had these issues since when i when i do go back and i go to that office to be there for a day or so to visit again i start feeling not so great i i know how i felt i know i am also aware of the side effects of methane poisoning i i i am fearful for myself of saying i i think i've experienced this as well I, and and there are other people in my office who who, who can attest to that themselves. How does someone who lives, works, and plays in an area, in this area, or an area similar to this, another area that might be experiencing the same thing, how do they prove cause and effect and seek reparations for the harm that has been done to them? Is that even possible? Jesse? I'm so sorry that you went
1: through that. And And actually, your story is very similar to many of the stories we've been hearing from communities. In fact, my my mom, when I told her about this, she said, uh, I said, Mom, remember, (laughs) you've been mentioning this memory loss. And so I really think that this has something to do with it. And she's like, oh, but, you know, that happened about two years. This started happening about two years ago. And I was like, Mom, two years ago is when they think that this started. So it, it just, like, kind of blew my mind. And, you know, on Wednesday, we had a community meeting with DWP where they were there to answer questions. And there was a community member that asked about reparations and providing, you know, reparations because of of this leak. And in a few words, um, DWP said that they would not be doing that because they didn't feel they caused any health effects. They feel a methane leak went straight up and dispersed and had, it did not stay over us and did not hurt us in any way. And I don't know how one side they say, oh, we're responsible, we're sorry, but in the other, they they said, oh, we didn't cause anything, you're okay. It, it just makes no sense to me. And there's many of these stories that we're hearing more of, um, and, and it's, it's and I, I just, I don't know if there's going to be some reparations, but I do think that they are responsible um, for for what many community members are feeling, for sure.
0: If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Ecojustice Radio. Veronica Padilla-Compost, Executive Director for Pacoima Beautiful, is joining us for Broken Trust, L.A. Public Utility Methane Leak poisons Sun Valley Community. Veronica, as you stated before, in December 2019, you had this meeting with the Department of Water and Power facility in Sun Valley, the the facility we've been talking about, and Pacoima Beautiful was in conversations with DWP to transition this facility to a clean energy facility. What does it mean for a plant like this to transition to a clean energy portfolio?
1: LA has a goal of being powered by 55% renewable energy by 2025 and 100% by 2045. So we really want to see Sun Valley Generating Station lead the way for that goal. This means solar energy, you know, um, wind power, any kind of renewable energy. And also in doing that to really focus in training local community members in in this transition, in these new jobs that can, so the plant can really be a plant that people or our community are proud of and not afraid of. And so we really wanted to work with DWP and seeing them make this transition and work together in addressing any of the issues that are, that come up or really understand the process in doing this. But the, the the problem is is that they they seem to take action without considering the community and that's where the real problem is but we want to continue to push to have the valley generating station be one of the first ones in this transition not one of the last ones like and have a clear date uh, for this transition not kind of keep it as an after sh- Afterthought, you know, maybe we'll get to Valley. Maybe we'll just keep it as is while we update and upgrade the other power plants in other more renewable, more um, affluent communities. That's not what we want. We want Sun Valley Generation to be
0: the first in the example of using renewable energy for the city. And standing up for the frontline frontline communities who have been dealing with so so many compounding issues over the years, did did DWP or for this facility specifically? Did they were they positive about that relationship? Like, yes, we we want to do this with you. Did they promise anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, well it it hasn't been easy it it's been difficult to talk
1: to the energy side of dWP, but I felt like we were going somewhere you know we were we were finally talking to a wide range of folks in the department, and we had the ear of the general manager and and the commissioner. so we really felt like there was some some serious discussion, some real segue there, but again, after. After hearing and being hearing the news and being blindsided by by this leak, it just kind of took us back to zero and made us think that it, has it been all talk and and so that's really really concerning and also the fact that they were able to make the repairs in a matter of three days. After it had been occurring since 2017, why didn't those quick fixes happen back in 2017? Why did they wait so long? So it even makes us wonder, did they really do something to fix it so quickly? It it just makes us doubt DWP completely in in their efforts. So I think there's a lot of work to do there in getting that confidence back.
0: Of course, and it sounds like the commissioners were taken by surprise too, because you had said that you had this great conversation with the commissioners, but then it was, it was the the staff of DWP that went to the commissioners, right, and said, "Oh, by the way, yeah, this has been happening." Yeah, and it was, and the commissioners then reported to City Council.
1: The City Council, particularly um, Council President Martinez, was not made aware. So it it was kind of a lot of us got the news the day of this
0: meeting. That is crazy. And it sounds like they have a lot of answers to provide outside of just, is this thing closed (laughs) off and what are you doing to fix it? Uh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So for Northeast San Fernando Valley and others, Uh, cities experiencing the same issues because we have similar cities around los angeles around southern california in the state and around the united states and globally what what does social equity and environmental justice look like and what is it that you and bakoima beautiful want to see and i guess even before we dive into that so our listeners understand what is environmental justice what is meant by that
1: so environmental justice is a fair treatment and meaningful involvement of all people regardless of their race, color, national origin, or income with respect to the development, implementation, and enforcement of environmental laws, regulations, and policies. So in other words, we all deserve a good quality of life no matter um, you know, our income, our skin color, race, anything. So we're just looking to to ensure that uh, our community is just as safe from environmental harms as any any other community member would be any place, any place else. Uh, so that's really what Pacoima Beautiful strives to, is to empower community members to help advocate
0: for that. And what does that look like for Pacoima, for Sun Valley? What is it that Pacoima Beautiful and others and, and and the and the conversations coming from the community, what is it that they want to see?
1: Um, I think it's very simple things that other communities get to enjoy, right? We want want to see good, responsible neighbors. We want to see clean streets. We want to see greenways where we can walk and be safe. We want to see investment in in jobs and in housing. We want to see good projects that are multi-benefit projects. And we really want our community to be considered in and how it's treated, right? Not to be discarded, but to be considered and valued. So uh, I, I I don't think this is anything unique in what we ask. You know, everybody wants clean air. Everybody wants clean water. Everybody wants to be safe and be healthy and not feel that they can't go outside and play in the park because they're going to do to have a nosebleed or have an asthma attack because of what, you know, the effects of what's surrounding
0: them. And you, when we spoke um, before the show, you told me about sometimes they'll, they'll do projects uh, in these communities, but then the projects don't sustain. Uh, maybe the funding's not there or maybe the project needs upkeep and that upkeep is not provided. Uh, do you want to speak to this?
1: Yeah, I was referring to, you know, there's a greenway that is going to be built. It's a greenway along San Fernando Road, and it was it's in three phases. The first phase was Stillmore to Pacoima. Second phase was Pacoima to Sun Valley. And right now they're working on the third phase, which is Sun Valley to Burbank. Now, this greenway has created a huge difference because San Fernando Road is highly commuted. And so... If you go out there any evening, you will see lots of families and people using this greenway. So it's very exciting that now the the third and final phase is coming to Sun Valley because I think it's one of the... The, the sections that need it the most because it's so highly industrialized and you know like I was mentioning before there's a lot of lack of, of sidewalks where people can really walk and it's also a park poor community so this greenway is very much needed but sometimes these projects get get put in but then they don't get maintained they're not uh, the grass is not watered the trees are not trimmed the trash is not picked up and they end up you know, just adding to the disinvestment of the community. So ooh, I would love to see DWP step up and say, we will maintain it. We will pay for the watering, the landscape, um, you know, the maintenance of it. I think that would be a huge step. There's also uh, a lack of uh, street cleaning. And we know that it's difficult for the city right now to really invest in street cleaning. So it would be awesome if DWP can step up and provide some street sweeping in the area, specific, especially because there's so many schools there that where the kids are walking to and from school and, you know, can really benefit from from clean streets as they walk to and from school. Also, I was mentioning to you, there there used to be this really beautiful Welcome to Book Welcome to Sun Valley sign right on Glen Oaks and, and Bramford, I think it was. They had a really beautiful out of flowers and it was made out of um, rocks which Sun Valley is known for right from the quarries. Uh, but after there was an, a, a car accident that broke the sign it was never repaired and, and now you know it, it, there's nothing there and I think that that it's a shame that these types of projects are, don't get repaired and really maintained because it's it, it, it really helps with the pride of the community, right? And when they're not they're not repaired and, and, and kept up, it just, it just really proves that the, the disinvestment and disregard for the, the people that live and work and play there. So that's what I was referring to. I think those are tangible things that the community can see and, and be proud of and can really appreciate because this is this demonstrate it's for them and they care about seeing their surrounding area as beautiful as the residents do.
0: I, and I think that they're all easily doable and achievable goals mm-hmm. and overall respect of a community should not be something that we're fighting for. It should be something that is, mm-hmm. is morally provided, especially if you are a utility service that is, being paid to service that community. Well, talking about that facility, what are the next steps in the process to get LADWP to take responsibility and to be honest about the leak? What is it that the city council might be asking of them? Like, where do we go from here?
1: Well, like I mentioned, we had this community meeting on Wednesday and it's not gonna be the last time DWP hears from the community. I think it's important that we stay on top of this. and. Fortunately, the council president has demanded for a clear date as to when it's going to be resolved. So we're definitely looking forward to get that that date. And I think community members need to continue to be involved, attend these meetings, tell them what they think, tell them what they need, and, and ensure that ensure DWP that this is not a community they can mess with. Right? This is a united community. And they need to be respectful. So we want to continue making noise, mate, let them know that enough is enough and and that they, they need to really change the way they do business in terms of making sure that they um, are keeping us informed and uh, keeping us safe. And, you know, after learning about these lack of standards, I think it's really time for us to start thinking about that and creating these standards to ensure that accidents like this do not happen again and that we can have real talks about transitioning to clean energy and whatever issue they say is preventing them from going to 100% clean energy, we need to work together to resolve that
0: and get there. Who is it that tells them that they have to have these standards? Would that be the city council? I think it's
1: going to have to be a state policy that we're going to work with. So it's very important to work with our local state um, elected officials. And, and fortunately, our assemblywoman, Luz Rivas, did write a letter right away as soon as she found out of this. So it's really encouraging to know that we also
0: have um, her support in the state. What can our listeners do in regards to LADWP issue um, with the gas leak? And then also, what can our listeners um, do in regards to serious issues like this? Not just what's happening at LADWP, but what's what might be happening in their community if they're not in the city of Los Angeles, or maybe they're in a different state, or even a different country. So I guess two questions there. What do we need to do, our mm-hmm. listeners right now, who are like, I am pissed off about this situation. I want to make sure that the city council does something. I want to make sure that something happens at the state level. What can what can those that are interested do right now?
1: But definitely it's important not to be quiet, right? To really participate and, and, and be part of these discussions and make your voices heard. The tricky part is that communities like the Northeast San Fernando, like Pacquem and Sun Valley, it's very hard to Get community members to get involved, and and that's for many reasons. Whether it's it's a language issue, it's um, you know, they're working two three jobs, that sort of. There's a lot of challenges, but I really encourage, you know, folks to help out. So if your neighbor can't attend these meetings, you it, it but you're able to you can attend for them and really support each other and make sure that we continue to speak up and advocate for our better communities. And it's really encouraging to see our youth so active in this particular campaign. They've been great at creating videos and social media content and getting the word out. They are not afraid of speaking up to DWP and letting them know what they need. And I love to see that i i am I'm, I'm I'm very quiet and kind of even doing this interview that I'm doing with you today is is not me right i'm I, I, I'm, I prefer to be in the background, but honestly seeing our youth is so passionate and so vocal and also even our community members they're so comfortable speaking and saying enough is enough that they have been a great influence on me and and, and and it's just so motivating to see that, and to see so many more people participating in these meetings has been great. But really, we need to support each other and and make our voices heard. You know, we were big advocates of the census. We were out there walking and door knocking because it, it, you know, we really needed to make sure our community get, gets counted. And now we're we we have an opportunity to vote on November. 4th. So I really encourage folks to go out there and vote because everything is important. And it's not just about voting for our president, but all of the, the local and state uh, elected officials, they're all important. They all play a role. And it's really important for us to make our voices heard. And I think that our, our, our strength is really in, in numbers. And if i can go a little bit off tangent if that's okay you can cut me off if i'm off but i understand that side has has is going to declare bankruptcy and by declaring bankruptcy they're not going to um, uphold their their end of repairing so much damage that they did and you know, uh, we've been asked by our partners to participate and speak up, and, and, and I think that that's important for all of us to do, even though Excite is not uh, near the Northeast San Fernando Valley, it's important that we all stick together, as frontline communities that endure a lot of these similar issues. We need to stick together and advocate for each other, and so... And we can advocate in writing letters and making phone calls and sending emails and doing all that good stuff, but also sharing with our neighbors and our family about what's going on, being informed, and really making the, this uh, a topic of discussion with our families from our little ones, because we do we do work with our little tiny ones. We have our PB kids, our 3-year-olds, 10-year-olds that are learning about environmental justice. They are fully aware of what this means and they're getting pissed off and seeing that the injustices that exist in our neighborhoods and really understanding that we need to fight
0: for more resources. And I think
1: I, I talked a little too much
0: there. No, you're good. This is great. And, and it brings up that point of it's not just even the frontline communities coming together. It's 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 communities outside the frontline communities that must stand in allyship that the 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 lead needs to come from the frontline communities and those standing in allyship need to step back and and allow those communities to lead and be told okay i need this from you and say okay i can do this i can right. show up i can share this meme i can or this image i can do what it is to get the information out there i can vote um if i'm in certain areas for for leaders that are going to uphold what it is that needs to happen in those communities. I, I can door knock. I can, there's so many different Mm -hmm. ways and that allyship has to exist. We all have to stand in allyship. And that brings us to our, our, our last question here. Are there any further resources that you would like to share? How can, I guess, how can listeners find Pacoima beautiful and get more information about this campaign?
1: Well, we still do it old school and have a website, org, that folks can can log on and learn a little bit about it. But I have to say we, we're working on ramping up our website. <laughs> but our social media, we're great on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and um, where we, we post all the cool things that we're working on, our campaigns, our efforts in the different campaigns. It's a great place to 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 see that and and get involved um you know because of COVID, we haven't had many volunteer opportunities but um god willing we will get out of this soon and we can begin um you know working with our volunteers on on various um events like we have garden planting uh, we have um, community cleanups and, and just different activities for folks to to get involved and more importantly to donate (laughs) you know by dare say um donating to community to community groups it is very important to continue the work and and so i i do i do want to it would it would be wrong of me not to mention that as executive director right Yes. And and even if it's not proclaimed beautiful, right? It's getting involved in in your communities in in different ways and and being able to give back. And that's really what we teach to our youth. You know, go out there, get your education, but definitely come back. Come back to the community and give back. Don't turn your back on it. Don't feel like you got to run away. And and, uh, please come back and make the change that you know. Um, needs to happen.
0: Thank you, Veronica. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate your time.
1: It's been fun. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you to our guest today, Veronica Padilla-Campos, Executive Director of Pacoima Beautiful. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. This has been Broken Trust, LA Public Utility Methane Leak Poisons Sun Valley Community. Please connect with us on social media at Ecojustice Radio, SoCal 350, and Adventures in Waste, my nonprofit. If you like what you heard and you want others to be informed, subscribe to our podcast and share the episodes. You have been listening to Ecojustice Radio, a project of SoCal 350. The show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and ecojusticeradio.org. Created by Mark and J.P. Morris, executive producer Jack Eye, engineer Blake Lampkin, interview hosted by Jessica Aldridge from Adventures in Waste, and original music by Javier Cadre. And until next time, remember, the power is yours.